you are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. Well, um, I've had the privilege, and I would, I would call it a privilege, but it, my heart breaks. I was down uh, this week down in Abaco Island, Bahamian Island, that was hit by Hurricane Doreen about four months ago. Um, and my heart just broke. Uh, I posted just a few pictures on our group's Facebook page. Uh, has no way of describing the devastation and the amount of people's lives that were lost. But we're continuing that, in that vein of building relationships. You saw Crystal and Jewel who came and visited us um, about a month ago. And we were down visiting them as well. And just continue to build a relationship and looking at what, what's on God's heart for us to be able to do. And, and I say that because it's actually in keeping with the message today. Today we're going to be fine. This is what the message is. Three steps to finding and living out your God-given assignment. Three steps to finding and living out your God-given assignment. The reality is, is each one of us have been given assignments. So we have assignments like collectively as a church. So that's what we're discerning in Bahamas. God, what would you have us? as your church do in the Bahamas. And so it always starts through relationship. Um, but for each of you individually, God has um, a, a unique plan and purpose for your life. And if you just go through cruise control, if you've just made the decision to follow Jesus and that's it, I, I, my assurance of heaven, okay, you might go to heaven. You will go to heaven when you put your trust in Jesus Christ. But you don't get the joy and the fulfillment of serving the Lord in your assigned role in the purposes that God has for you. And so I want to challenge us and I want to encourage us to one, begin to understand the possibility that God has something unique for you as an individual, as a church, but I also want you to begin the process of understanding how do you go about receiving that and living that out. We're going to take the example from our, from our journal reading, our Bible reading for this week. Now, if anybody who is reading through the Bible this week, it, it really reads like a lewd uh, novel. <laughs> there is a lot of stuff in there. Murders, lies, cover-up, deceit, daughters getting their dad drunk so they can get pregnant. Uh, it's in there. The original Sin City where sexual mongers were doing deviant things to their guests that were traveling into that city and wanting to rape them. Um, then you've got a God-fearing man who, who gets a promise from God and then takes matters into his own hands and sleeps with his wife's assistant um, and so they can have a baby. And then the wife agrees to this and then the wife turns on it. Just, it's like a drama novel. It's like a, a, a double X movie. I don't know what it is, but it's just like it's all in there. And everybody's like, man, I want to start reading the Bible, <laughs> right? It's there. I mean, I can't, the, the only thing, the difference between those, I think they're in there, those crazy romance novels and this is like, it keeps pointing you back to God, right? It keeps pointing you back to God, which is the answer for all things. So I love the story because it shows that God still uses humanity that's so broken and still messes up. Thank you so much, Nikki, for reminding us that, that God sees and calls us by name. He doesn't call out our sin. He calls us by name. And, and in the midst of that story, in the midst of our, our frailties, our humanity, God has a story that he's writing for us, an assignment for us. And so we're going to use 
um, the story of Abram, who is then renamed to Abraham, and looking at that as a way of understanding, of finding and living out God's assignment. Before we go there, though, I, I think we need to understand part of our assignment is this, is understanding that, that what is in heaven is actually to be on earth. So if you can begin to imagine what's in heaven, and it takes an imagination, we have some uh, pictures of it in the word of God, but you know, there's no weeping, crying, uh, there's, just, there's joy, there's love. But he wants to take what's in heaven and bring it to earth. And we know that because the Lord's prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. Your kingdom, Jesus saying, God's kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he wants our earth to look like heaven. So that means that we continue to go after the things that aren't in heaven, the things like uh, disease, like uh, abuse, like anything that is un- injustice. And he calls us to those things. But there's another scripture that, that confuses us sometimes, and it says in Matthew 24, you'll see the scripture up there, it says, many are called, but few are chosen. And you might misinterpret that to say, well, I'm not the chosen one. Therefore, God's not going to use me because I'm not chosen. I want to redirect that thought a little bit by reading Matthew 22, because it really is Jesus' words, and it's the parable of the wedding feast. And he says this in Matthew 22. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king. Now, remember, when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about here and now. The kingdom of heaven, yes, is heaven, but he's saying the kingdom which is here to be established on earth, when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, this is what he's talking about here on earth. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were inviting them to the wedding feast. But they would not come. Again, he sent another servant saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatted calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. Here's the invitation. Come. All are called. Come. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business. Anybody busy around here and have business to take care of? things to do, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. The king went away and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Might sound a little bit like the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads. By the way, the ones that weren't worthy were the ones that were busy, preoccupied. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out to the roads and gathered all whom they have found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But the king came in and looked at the guest. He saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him in the outer darkness in the place, there, you will be, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In essence, hell, separation from God, that's what hell is. For many are called, here we go, but few are chosen. So here's why we say many are called, but few are chosen. 
God is desiring that each one of you has a purpose and assignment. He calls you into the kingdom, and in that process of calling you into the kingdom, some will respond and some won't. The chosen are the ones who say, choose me. The chosen are the ones who say, pick me. And so every one of you who's in this room who says, pick me, are the chosen. If you go to the place where you say, hey, you know what, Uh, I hear that voice, or I'm just ignore the voice, um, then you're no longer going to be used by God to accomplish the things that he wants to, but he's always inviting. He's always inviting. So I just want to let you know, every single one of you are called and chosen, and the chosen is pick me. So hopefully today you're saying pick me. I want to be used by God to accomplish his kingdom work here on earth. So this is what we're going to do. We, we want to just talk, talk about Abraham for a moment. Let me just give you the story real, real quick. If you didn't do the Bible reading this week, as I said, it's fascinating reading. It's, it's really, um, it talks about the humanity of humans, but how God comes in the middle of that. So Abram and Sarai, names were changed to Abraham and Sarah. God visited them and to Abram, changed his name to Abraham, but he first had an encounter with God, Abraham did, or Abram, and God said, I have a promise for you. I am going to invite you into this kingdom expansion movement, and I'm going, you're going to be a father of many nations. You're going to have a son, and um, this promised son will be the seed that's going to build this great nation. So, but for God, for him to receive that word, first of all, God met him and he asked him to sacrifice. So he went and got his best of his flock sacrificed um, to God. And thankfully, we don't have animal sacrifice today. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for us. So we have, through Jesus Christ, we can have access to God. But he sacrificed. In that moment of that sacrifice, then God revealed his word to him. That's important. I'll talk about that in a minute. But then what happens is, then time goes by. We're not sure how, um, what Abraham's doing with this. We know that Sarah, now her name is changed to Sarah. Uh, and by the way, whenever you have a God encounter, your name changes. And today we don't change people's names, but you know your person has changed, right? When you come to Jesus and you radically get saved by him, your very nature changes. And, and because of your nature changes, in many ways, your name changes, Your name means who you are. But Sarah. So Sarah is barren. She can't have children. And so, interestingly enough, some three angels appear to walk up um, and and start having a conversation with Abram. Now, interesting, the angels come. The very first thing is Abraham goes and says, hey, let's get get a fatted calf. Let's have a dinner. Sarah, quickly go make some bread cakes and And then they serve them. They're very hospitable. And in that hospitality, then the angels go and reiterate the promise that God had for them. I just want to pause there for a moment because there's a scripture in the New Testament that says, uh, be hospitable. Be hospitable. Because you don't even know if you're going to be entertaining angels at some point. Do you believe that actually there are people in this world that look like human beings, but they're actually angels, and they want to be messengers, right? Angels are messengers to proclaim God's word. So, so I would encourage us to be on the lookout 
to be hospitable. You don't know if you're entertaining an angel. But anyways, so Abraham has this encounter with angels. He's hospitable. After the hospitality, after again, once his sacrifice, his time, spending time with them, do, do the messengers then reiterate, hey, Abraham, you have a promise that, I, that, that you're going to be a father of many nations. Well, more time goes on. My word, God, you're you saying all these things, these promises to me. I'm feeling pretty excited that I'm going to be like, my descendants are going to be like the stars of the sky. And, and then he gets a little impatient. And this is the story where he takes his wife's assistant, his, uh, uh, Sarah's handmaiden, and Hagar, and he gets her pregnant. And he's like, if Sarah can have a baby, we got to produce a baby somehow. <laughs> and so uh, they give, she gives birth, um, Hagar gives birth to Ishmael. Well, really wasn't God's plan. And, um, and so Abraham actually went out of the plan of God, but God still, his promises are always yes and amen. His promises are always true. And you need to hear that today because, because some of you might think that I've screwed up too much for God to use me. I've missed that boat. God, see, I'm, he's not going to use me anymore. And God will still, he's, if he's promised something in your life, he's faithful. So here it is. Now, miraculously, Sarah gets pregnant at, at, uh, at a ripe age in her 90s. And they give, give birth to Isaac. Now, um, so let me just finish the rest of the story, and then I'm going to apply it to us. So Isaac's born, then God says, uh, Abraham, I want you to, he's a young uh, man now or a teenager, young boy. He says, uh, go up to the mountain and sacrifice your son. The only promise that God gave him, it was Isaac and he says, sacrifice him. Well, we know that if we do know the story, uh, Abraham was ready to sacrifice son, knife in hand, son tied up, bound up on a on a pile of brush that's going to get burned, and, and we find that God provides a ram in the thicket, in some uh, vines, in some uh, briars. And he says, no, you don't have to sacrifice your son. Here's, here's the sacrifice to make. Okay, that's the, the nutshell, if you read that um, this week. So I, I just wanted to then apply it to our, our situation right here. So first of all... I want you to look at Luke chapter uh, 14. Luke chapter 14. Uh, by the way, if you're a little chilly, it will only be chilly for a minute of a blast, and then it will moderate. It's okay. Hang with me. It was super hot. Now it's super cold. It will be just right in a moment. Luke chapter 14. So I call, so we're getting into our stages right now. And the first stage is be still, go slow, and count the cost. I call this stage the reflective stage. Be still, go slow, and count the cost. Luke chapter 14 says this. Again, Jesus' words, red letters, starting at verse um, 20. It says 24 up there, but... It's actually going to be 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and his mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, 
whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down and first deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation to ask for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Sounds pretty harsh. Pretty harsh. Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So again, very confusing it seems like, what, I'm supposed to hate my mother and father? I, don't, I thought we're supposed to be loving, right? <laughs> Uh, this is confusing to me. He's, he's making an extreme um, point that in relationship to our love and devotion to God and our assignment and our purpose, we have to compare it almost to the place that he's saying, you have to reshape yourself. In this world, you're going to be very tempted to just get settled in this wor- world that you're going to function like the kingdom of this world. Jobs, family, birthday parties, weddings, all these types of things. Nothing wrong with them, but if it overshadows and overtakes our devotion to God, our devotion to Jesus, we're going to realize that we're going to miss the mark. And so he's saying our discipleship, our followership, if you will, of Jesus has to be in such a contrast because Remember, we're trying to bring heaven to earth and we function in a spiritual realm. The kingdom of God is spiritual, not physical. Uh, it's manifest spiritual, uh, physical, but it, it initiates spiritual. And so we have to begin to say, how do I begin to function in the kingdom of God in his ways and not the kingdom of this world? So that's the counting the cost. And, and without this step, I guarantee you, You need to today say, choose this day who you'll serve. Choose this day who you serve because the world will call on you and it will press you and it will push you and it will consume you and it will, you'll discourage you from pursuing Jesus. And you need to count the cost to know that following Jesus is going to be challenging. He says, pick up your cross, follow me. The cross is a symbol of death and sacrifice. So this is, aren't you glad you're a Christian? (laughs) Ooh, pick me for that one. Maybe, yeah, but count the cost. No, it's not going to be easy. Robert H. Goddard says this, uh, this is a great quote. The reason people fail is not for the lack of vision, but it's the lack of resolve, and resolve is born out of counting the cost. Resolve is born out of counting the cost. Because if you come to Christ and you just say, and he does, he changes your life, he forgives you, and and he gives you a new name, a new life, and he forgives you of your guilt and your shame, and it's like, you're on cloud nine. Woo, follow Jesus, I love it. And then you realize, oh my, it comes at a cost. And if you haven't realized that it comes at a cost, you're gonna quickly just get discouraged and say, I'm not gonna follow Jesus, too hard. But, but to follow the assignment, to follow your purpose, to follow the plan that God has for your life, you first have to count the cost. So when you say, here am I, Jesus, choose me, 
know that it is going to be difficult at times. It's going to be difficult at times. That's why we have to posture ourselves as a servant or as a son and daughter who's very submissive to your father in heaven. Because at the, he's going to be asking things of you that will not seem to make a whole lot of sense. Because the reality, the thing that God wants to birth through your life is going to require a miracle. It's going to require something supernatural. For, for Abraham, he wanted to put matters into his own hands and he tried to produce something without the miracle. Instead, he created Ishmael, which gave him problems. You'll need to count the cost. So let me go be still, go slow. Here's the other thing. It's, this, is, this is important because we have to wait and hear what God is saying to us. The, the, there's a scripture that says, be still and know that I'm God. I really believe that is the knowing is not just knowing who God is, but knowing his voice so you can receive the instruction from God. Remember, Jesus says, I only do what I see and hear the Father in heaven doing. And he's asked us to live that same way, that we will only do what we see and hear the Father in heaven doing, which means our ears need to be attuned to him. And some of you, it's going to get cozy in here for a moment. And some of you guys will, will realize that I, was like, I don't hear God. Where's God? And, and remember we said, if you want to know the way, you know the word, right? You got to get in God's word. But I also believe you need to train yourself to be still, to be silent. We got to get quiet enough. Find out where that place is for you. It's a walk in the woods. It's a, it's a, a quiet place in your house. It's wherever that quiet, it's in your car. You need to be quiet before the Lord. Be still and know, be still and know. But I would say go slow, and this is, the, this is the thing, because I think sometimes we get a prophetic word, we get a promise, we get an inkling, we get a sense, oh, I'm, God's going to use me in this way, and we just try to make it happen. See, God doesn't need us to make it happen, he just wants us to be available so he can make it happen through our lives. The difference is, we feel like our ambition is we've got to make something happen, and, and he's really just saying, no, all I need you to do is be submitted to me so I can work through your life to make something happen. And that's where the miracle take, takes place. That's where the supernatural takes place. Because if it's on our own strength, in our own way, it's very natural. We're going to produce something, but is, the very, is it what God wanted to be producing? What, uh, what he wants us to be producing. Abraham was a great example of that. It's like, God, the promise, I, I, you promised. You sent angels, you sent messengers. You, I met with you individually. You spoke words to me. And it's like, Sarah's old. She's washed up. I mean, you didn't say washed up, but she's old. It's not gonna, she's barren. Don't ever say that to your old wife. You're washed up, by the way. She's barren. She can't have babies. And he tries to take matter in his own hands and, and it didn't turn out good for him. You see, let me go to number, point number two. This stage is actually the steadfast and fruitful stage. I, I want to let you know that God's de delay is not God's denial. God's delay is not God's denial. And I think sometimes we, we realize that in our culture, back in the day when fast food started coming out, I remember the first time I ate it at a McDonald's. I was a teenager. And fast food uh, came about. 
And, and then we started talking about, well, our culture's just getting so fast. Well, we didn't know what was coming, right? <laughs> With technology and phones and, and Google and Surrey and all these instantaneous, we need an answer, we can get it in minutes. But when, when it comes to God, God's time is not our time. God has a plan, he's a purpose, and, and he functions outside of time, and, and yet we feel like, hey, God, use me, pick me, and we get words from God, and we get excited about doing something for God, and, and then there's a delay. Did I really hear, is God really doing, going to do something? So you either get discouraged, try to take matters in your own hands, you force it, you're not still, you, you, you get this, I'm going to go ambition, I'm going to go for it. But God's delay is not God's denial. And that's why we have to let God work through our lives, not us just determining that we're going to do a bunch of great things for God. But I do call this the steadfast and fruitful stage, because if we're steadfast, he will produce the fruit in our lives. But it is a faithful walk with him, it's a steadfast walk with him that's so important. But this world tells us to make it happen. Our education tells us to make it happen. If you want to be successful, you need to work hard. And if you work hard, you can get anything and be anything you want to be. We're trained. So that's the, that's the kingdom of this world. Nothing wrong with hard work. I want you to work hard. <laughs> Nothing wrong with getting education. Get a great education. But when we begin to say, we're going to make the God thing happen through our ambition, through our work hard, through our effort, we're going to produce something birthed out of flesh, not out of the spirit. And the things that are birthed out of the flesh are the things that don't have the life that God's intended. God wants to birth something through our life, but it will be a spiritual thing. I, I want to reiterate this again. The, the assignment, the plan, the purpose that God has for you, it will require a miracle. See, that's the difference between flesh and spirit. God wants us to live as spiritual beings. He wants us to live as, in the physical, of course, Eat, sleep, work, look after your body, you know, pay your bills, all these types of things. We, this is the dichotomy. We, we are spiritual and physical beings. And, and as we live in this world, we have to understand how to live into the kingdom of God. Live, we're to be in the world, but not of the world, right? So he's telling us our citizenship is of a different kingdom, but yet we are to live in this world, function in this world, but we need to make sure we remember where our citizenship lies. Abraham finally allowed the miracle to take place, and Sarah gave birth to Isaac. So that is the steadfast and fruitful stage, or the faithful stage. Fruitful stage, steadfast, fruitful, faithful stage. Here we go, we're gonna go into the fruitful stage. I'll get you. You, you following me? No. Okay. That last stage was this. Remember, God's delay is not God's denial. That's the steadfast and fruitful stage. That's where the promise gets birthed if it's a miracle, God working through you. But here's the thing. So he births the promise, Isaac, his promised son, but here's the last stage. And we can't, we can't forget this stage. I've seen too many people blow up what God is doing because they've forgotten this stage. And it is the faithful stage. See, we need to remember at this stage, the promise is not the prize. Jesus is the prize. 
The promise is not the prize. We can get so hung up in realizing, look at what God's done through us, and we start celebrating the thing, and we forget celebrating Jesus. Thank you. In Philippians 3.14, says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The prize is Jesus. The prize is Jesus. See, what happens is we get so focused, ah, I got an assignment from God, great. I got to stay, work for the kingdom of God. How do, how do I live in the world, but not of the world? My citizenship is in heaven. And, and I got to let the miracle be birthed through me. I can't make it happen in my own strength, my own way. God does some of the miraculous through somebody's life. We've seen it time and time again. And then you wonder why somebody's life implodes. After God has done these miraculous things through their life, their life implodes. Why? Because they began to worship the very thing that God gave them, that, birth, that was birthed through them. They began to look at the, the ministry. They began to look at the life. They began to look at the miracles. And, and it's like, look at all those things. And they took their eye off the prize. You see, sometimes we confuse calling as an activity and our assignment as our identity but our calling is to Jesus and our identity is in Jesus. Let me say that again. Sometimes we confuse calling our assignment as our identity. Calling as our activity and assignment as our identity, but our calling is to Jesus and our identity is in Jesus. And you know, sometimes he just might ask us to kill the promise to test our hearts, and this is why I call this the faithful stage. In the midst of God birthing a promise through you, and then all of a sudden he asks you to sacrifice the promise, would you be willing to do it? Would you be able to lay it down, the very thing that God gave you, that he said he was going to birth through you? Would you be able to lay it down, set it aside? He asked that of, uh, of Abraham by by testing his heart to say, now sacrifice your son, the promise. Because if we're not careful, our calling and our assignment can be about doing. And the doing can begin to identify us and our success, our plans, our activity can be the thing that we want to accomplish as opposed to our thing being Jesus. The worship team wants to come back up. You see, our assignment is not about doing the activity, but it's doing the right things, being still, listening to that still, small voice, so the Lord can do his activity through us. It took me a while to understand this. I, I, when I first came to the Lord and when I first started trying to serve him, I, I felt like, God, I got to do a bunch of things for you. And God actually doesn't need to do us to do a bunch of things for him. I was, uh, I was traveling with Art Merrigan. Um, I don't see his Art here. He might be outside on our safety team uh, to the Bahamas. And, and he, we were talking about this, and he used this great analogy. He says, you know, sometimes it's like a son who feels like he's going to be really pleasing to his dad and just goes out and mows the lawn and, and like, dad, I mowed the lawn for you. And and not realizing that the dad just overseeded the lawn and the son just actually blew all the seeds away. 
right? In our excitement for God, we, we can do a bunch of things for you, God, but not realizing that God is actually doing, wants to do a bunch of things through us and he's organizing and orchestrating and he's looking for us to listen to his voice and saying, just, just do what I'm asking you, please. <laughs> I, I appreciate the, your zeal and excitement for me, but please just do what I ask. So don't confuse our activity as our assignment. Don't confuse all the good things that you want to do as God's direction for your life. We need to spend time before the Lord, read his word, listen to him, be slow, and try not to make things happen on your own time, your own way, and let God birth a miracle through your life. But here's the reality, and, and here's the hope. That even though Abraham took matters in his own hands, God was still faithful. He still produced the promise. He still allowed Abraham to be the father of many nations. God's word is faithful and true. And God can redeem any situation when you've outstepped him, when you've made the mess of things, when you've uh, just gone haywire and when you've just missed the mark God just keeps saying come back come back but but let's do it my way this time <laughs> let's do it my way see Abraham thought he needed to make things happen but God wanted Abraham to trust that God could make it happen so that's our posture so when we begin to start saying three stages of our to find and live out our assignment, it starts by counting the cost and being still and going slow. But then it moves into a stage where we need to just realize that our world of fast and instantaneous is not God's, always God's way. So learn that God's delay is not God's denial. Just trust that he will do it when he's going to do it. And then finally, you know, the promise is not our prize. Jesus is a prize. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You're not going to get off track by keeping your eyes off Jesus. So in closing, I, I want to just give this word of encouragement. You can do it. And when I say you can do it, don't hear the words that you've got to do an activity. You can do it by being still before God. You can do it by listening to his voice. You can do it by allowing the spirit of God to work through you and birth a miracle. But it starts by saying, yes, here am I, choose me, choose me. Many are called, but few are chosen. And the only differentiation is your response to wanting to be chosen. Here I am, choose me. Choose this day who you'll serve. Be a son and daughter of the Most High King. Spend quiet time. Listen, read, respond. God is sending you messengers, angels. You don't know when you might be running into an angel at the grocery store or at the gas station or at your workplace. Bible says show hospitality to all. You don't know when you're entertaining angels, but they're messengers there to give you a message. And I don't know if, at least in this story, there wasn't, thus saith the Lord. That must be an angel. 
No, it was everyday. They looked like everyday people who had an everyday conversation. They came and they went. But Abraham had to understand that they were sent as messengers. Are you looking? Are you attentive to what God is wanting to do? And then know your assignment will be around this theme that to help establish the kingdom of God here on earth. And know this, it will take a miracle. So expecting your life to be open to the miraculous to go through your life. Then finally, keep your eyes on Jesus, who is the prize, and don't get distracted by this world. Live in this world, but don't live for this world. Live for the one who wants to give you a special assignment to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If this ministry has impacted you and you would like to partner with Grace Capital Church to impact the communities around you, please join us at gccnh.com forward slash partners.